Bayer Jr., not the boxer, not Max Bayer, the boxer. Um, sorry? What? Okay, so you remember that guy? The actor, yeah, who played Jethro. Okay, so Jethro, and Matthew 7, 12 is called the golden rule, minus golden rule. Jethro, another name, uh, is rule. So that's who we're talking about, Jethro Rule, and we will get started on that. Um, some people know him already, uh, who, who he is. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, be working out of Exodus chapter 18 for a while. We'll go back and forth to different, to different um, areas of Scripture, but we're going we're gonna to start with 18 and spend some time there. When Moses, you, you know the story or the account of Moses. He, he grows up in Egypt under uh, royal, with royal blessings, and then he, he kills an Egyptian, and he has to flee from Egypt. And he flees to a land called Midian, um, and, and, and he finds refuge in a house in the, in the area of a man named Jethro, or Rule. And we'll talk about those scriptures that, that change his name, but his name's not really changed. And so as these two, he stays with Rule for 40 years. What keeps him there? Do you remember? What keeps him there? Yeah, he, yes, his wife um, he keeps him there. His wife and, and kids, and he's working, he's tending the sheep, and Rule shows up in Exodus 2, 16 and two, through 21, and Exodus 3. So in, in, in Exodus 2, he's Rule. In Exodus 3, he's Jethro, and, and so they're interchangeable. But, but there's a strong bond between Moses and Jethro, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we can learn, and we're going to try to learn some valuable lessons about Jethro his relationship with Moses, some of the wise things that he did and said, and, and we will uh, set it up. But first, let's talk about the man. Okay, he was a Midianite. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. Heard of what? Moses killing the, the Egyptian. But Moses flees from Pharaoh in Exodus 2.15 and stayed in the land of Midian, and then he sat down by a well. And, and what happens at the well? So, so um, Rule's daughters come with sheep and then other shepherds try to chase them away from, wa from the water. But, but Moses is there and then he helps them out and he defends them against, against the, those shepherds. And, um, and we know that story and, and we will talk about them, the, the, the ladies and the relationship in just a moment. The Midianites, they're descended from Abraham through Keturah. You see that. Her name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and, and Shua. So, so Midian is a direct descendant from Abraham. They were idolatrous and wicked people. The elders of Moab, in Numbers 22.7, the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with a feast for uh, divination for their... In their hand, they came to uh, Balaam to gave, gave Balak's message. And the message, okay, so what's going on? Balak is really nervous about, uh, about the Israelites and how many there are and, and, the, and the success that they've been experiencing, successes and the victories. 
and he's worried. And so he gets together with some other men and they go to Balaam and they say, hey, uh, can you curse them? Balaam gets messages, three oracles from, from God. And, and, uh, and Balak's not going to be happy about the, about the outcome or, or what, what Balaam's going to say. Whatever the case, they are idolatrous and, and they don't, um, they're not God-fearing people. Quite the opposite. And I was reading some of the some of the ways that they worship God, and and it, it's 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 just it's disgusting. They're gods, not God, but they're gods. It's, it's disgusting. Numbers twenty five six through eight. You can turn there if you want to, but keep your place at, at Exodus chapter eighteen. We will get to eighteen in just a little bit. This is an account of the Midianite. This is after after uh, the the treachery that went on with, with Balak and, and the men. And Midianites are not welcome. They are not welcome in, in the Israel camp anymore. And then you see one of the people of Israel came and brought the Midianite woman to his family. The, the beginning of this chapter, 25, you see that, that uh, the Israelites were having relations with the Midian, Midianite women. And so 25.6, and behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel. And while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting, they are, they, they've just seen the leaders of the tribe, just seen so many of their leaders killed and slaughtered because God was not happy with the way that they were in, inter, interacting with having relations with, with the Midianite women. And then in seven, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, saw this woman and a man. He rises, he leaves the congregation, takes a spear in hand, and notice what happens. Went, he pierced, went into the chamber, pierced both of them, the man of Israel, the woman through her belly, and thus the plague on the people of Israel stopped. The punishment is over. But that's how they felt about Midianites at this moment. In 31, in Numbers 31, you don't have to go there, but 1 through 20 is the account of Moses saying, go kill, wipe out the Midianites. And there's a problem there because they do kill all the men, but they keep the women and the young boys, uh, and, and then they're told to kill the young boys. But whatever the case, they, the Midianites are people who travel around, they're, they're tent-dwelling people, and they are shepherds. And it, it's, if you see a map, and I should have put a map of the, of the uh, Sinai, it, it, it's, it's barren. It's, it's a wasteland. And so that's where they are. He, he's a shepherd. At least the rule is. He has, he has livestock. He had seven daughters. They came to Drew Water. That's when Moses encountered them for the first time. But, but he has sheep. And, and it sounds like he has a lot of help. And he sends his daughter. He has a son. Interestingly enough, these daughters are out taking care of the sheep. And he does have a son. We'll, we'll see that in just a moment. Huh? Sorry. Yeah, Rachel did too. Janice says Rachel did too. Yeah, that's what the women did, except for David. You know, he, was he a woman? Anyway, um, no, he wasn't. That's a little joke. His occupation. Jethro translates his excellence. Rule translates friend of God. He is a Midianite priest, we read. He's a Midianite priest at the beginning of this little section. He has one son, uh, Hobab. Numbers 10.29, we read, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Rule, the Midianite, 
Moses' father-in-law, not Hobab, but Moses'. People have been confused, and they've said, you know what, Hobab, this says that Hobab is Moses' father-in-law. Not at all. You see, it's clear. Uh, it's up there that, that Ruel, or Jethro, is Moses' father-in-law. And he says, we're setting out a place, and you come with us, and we'll take care of you. In Exodus 2.21, Moses is content to dwell with the man. He gave Moses' his daughter Zipporah to dwell with Ruel or Jethro. Gives him Zipporah. How long does he stay with, with Jethro in that land? you remember? 40 years. 40 years. Thank you. 40 years. And he stays there. And, uh, and before he encounters the, uh, the burning bush. He has two sons. Moses has two sons with Zipporah. And so Ruel has two grandsons, Gershom and Eleazar, in Exodus 2.22 and 18.34, we read about that. Exodus 18.10, well, we'll, we'll get there in a second, but Exodus 2.16, no slide, he is the priest of Midian. What does that mean? Well, it's a religious, religious title. Obviously, he's a priest, but what religion? Well, we'll talk about that. It's, it's, I have, ah, I've read so many weird things about the have you ever heard Druze, D-R-U-Z-E religion? Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about it. But, but people think that he started this Druze uh, religion, that he's the father of the Druze, uh, and that doesn't hold water. Anyway, he worships the one true God. Jethro says in 1810, and we're going to look at a few scriptures there in chapter 18, like I said, he says, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. What's he talking about? What just happened? How does he know this information? Well, Moses just reported it to him. But Moses let him know uh, what's going on. That's who he's talking to. Blessed be the Lord. Y'all are blessed. So he says in, in 10, blessed be the Lord. And then notice this. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. What does that tell us about Jethro? I'm sorry? Yeah, he learns about Moses' God. Enough to do what? Do you know how to offer a burnt offering? Do you, if someone said, offer a burnt offering, would you know how? And I know this is a cultural thing. Uh, at this time, maybe people knew exactly what you meant, but do you know how? Like, what the first thing to do? David, you might have an idea, you know, cutting up, <laughs> cutting up things. But, but I wouldn't know how. But Jethro knows how, and he knows what that means. Notice what else, or or what else do we know about him uh, from this little section of scripture? What if he had been a um, just living? A heathenistic life. What if his so so out there that he he it didn't mesh with with what Moses and Aaron and the, and the Israelites were doing? What would the reaction be when he offers a burnt offering? They wouldn't be able to have anything to do with it. I don't believe. But notice the reaction. What what? So he brings a, a burnt offering. Aaron came with all the elders to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. What does that tell us about anything, if, if at all, about Rule or Jethro? He, he was good enough to fellowship with, these pe with God's people. He's good enough. And so here he is. 
offering this burnt offering. And he is, he is a man who is worthy to be fellowshipped with by the Israelites. It, it, what do you think would have happened if, he, if that burnt offering was unacceptable? What do you think would have happened? I, just speculate. What, what, sorry? I'm sorry, Debbie. I wouldn't have eaten with him. And, and he's offering this, this ungodly, if, you know, if it was unacceptable to God, I'd be a little nervous about that. You know, I mean, he's, it, God is, is a just God, and he, and he wouldn't, I don't believe he would let us, uh, he would let that happen without being a little upset. That's what happens with the Midianite women when the men have relationships with them. So Jethro is a, is a well-respected man. Why? Well, what, is, what do we know about the Midianites? I already talked about that. They're idolatrous. Uh, some of the gods that they worship and some of the way that they worship those gods is just disgusting. And some, of, some, of there are, some of them, some of the ways are sexual in nature, but some of the other ways, uh, sacrificing children and some other uh, activities that, that we don't need to even talk about, that's the society that Jethro lives in. And it's a tough society to live in and remain spiritual, but... But he somehow has some kind of knowledge about how good the Lord is and how the Lord blesses people and how to go about offering a burnt sacrifice that's acceptable to these Israelites and to God, apparently. So he, he is godly. He's a godly man in, in, in an ungodly society, crooked and perverse generation. We might have scriptures describing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh huh. It says, "Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other." Yeah, Janice points out verse eleven in Jethro's statement. Now I know that the Lord is is better, is more powerful than all other gods, and so that it's his acknowledgement. Now I know for sure. But you know, he doesn't get trained in in this activity. He does. He doesn't go through school or whatever. Um, at this time, the, the law is fresh, and so that's not being um, you know, taught to, to little children. He, he holds fast to his belief in God, I mentioned. Other Midianites, I mean, they're into idolatry, into immorality, and uh, his house, or at least he is, uh, is, is, is godly. At least he seems like it. And I was thinking about this. So when the Midianites are destroyed and rule is a Midianite, and, and Zipporah is a Midianite. Why aren't they destroyed? And you know, the answer for me is, and it's it, it's coming to the conclusion that that she was acceptable to God, and he was acceptable to God. He was he was excited. Notice um, notice Exodus eighteen. I know we're going backward. So we did ten, twelve. Now we're going back to eight and nine. And that's kind of well. Anyway. Eight and nine. Then Moses tells his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered him. Sounds exciting. Sounds like Moses is excited about what's happening enough to give him an account, and um, and and Rule seems excited. Why Jethro seems excited? I keep calling him Rule, but here's he's referred to as Jethro in verse nine. He rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of Egyptians. He acknowledges God. He acknowledges God's blessing and he rejoices. 
Not just kind of, well, that's good. Glad that happened. Well, aren't you forcing? No, he actually goes through the process of the, the mindset of being rejo- to, to, to rejoice. And that's, that's pretty neat because, um, you know, what, what reaction could he could have had? Well, yeah, it's your religion and you believe what you believe. I'll believe what I believe. And good for you. I'm glad it worked out. But you're probably, you know, I know you're giving God credit, but, you know, who's to say? No, rule Jethro focuses on God, gives him the glory, gives him the credit, and uh, and and understands where this is coming from. What about what about rule as far as hospitality is concerned? Let's talk about that. Let's go back. We're, we're not going to turn there, but go back to Moses fleeing, finding this. It flees to the land of the Midianites, and he encounters the the women who one of them he will. Uh, he will eventually marry, but he encounters Jethro. And, and what does Jethro do for, for Moses? As far as hospitality is concerned, he showed him great hospitality. Here, make a living. I will provide you for you a living plus a woman. Nice of him. Very hospitable. Not that someone comes to my house, I'm not going to offer my daughter, but and that's just me. Yes, we'll talk about that. So, well, well, maybe we'll refer to that. Janice is saying, didn't he keep? Didn't he keep the? Yes, he kept Moses' two boys and and um, and and Zipporah, and that's why he's back in the midst of the Israelites because he's bringing he's bringing the kids, he's bringing the boys back, and he's bringing the wife and the boys back, his daughter. Yeah, yeah, Moses. Yes, and so he leaves her, and there's a little tussle, a little. Uh, Tension between Zipporah and Moses at that point. When he leaves, goes back to Egypt, uh, and Zipporah and the boys stay with stays with they stay with Jethro. And so he's kind, he's sympathetic to a man in need. What what mindset would have Moses been in? I mean, what would his mindset have been after killing the Egyptian? And he flees. How far did he go? He goes pretty far. Why? He's scared, witless. I mean, he he knows that there's a price on his head. And he gets out of there. So he encounters Jethro, and Jethro takes him in. Doesn't seem, you know, maybe he knows he's a wanted man, but he, he, he's trusting and helpful to this stranger. And 1 Peter 4, 9, using hospitality one to another without murmuring. I think sometimes in this day and age, that's a little bit difficult to do. Someone shows up, and, um, and hospitality might be a little difficult to show. Uh, at, at times, you know, there were times I'm sure, and there in in my lifetime too, you could show up to a friend's house, and they would. Uh, we had some friends. You could just show up to their house just to visit, and they would start pulling out food, and it would, may have been, you know, uh, peanut butter and bologna sandwiches or whatever they had, and they would just pull out pull out food. And I think most, you know, some of you have experienced that growing up, going to church, uh, and interacting with each other before. Before we shut ourselves up in our houses and and kind of got nervous when we get nervous when people come over and knock on the door, I'm I'm peering out to see if they're selling something, if they whatever they want, uh, I'm trying to figure out what they might want. But there was a time when we just showed up to our neighbors' houses and enjoyed fellowship, and they brought us in and we brought them in, and um, and that was hospitality. But it's a difficult thing I think now to show hospitality like Christians should. Um, we're in a mindset of, of just, 
Do you know your neighbors? You live in a new house, uh, we, you know, a new neighborhood. Do you know your neighbors? I don't. When we first moved into the house, there were 12 other houses in our neighborhood, the house we're living in now. And I tried to make the rounds, but now there are 100. I don't know how many houses there are, Andy, out in that neighborhood. But, I mean, now it's just hard to get to know everyone. People are friendly, but I don't know. I don't know my neighbors, and I should. I should. But Rule, Jethro, takes him in. He, he, and then he gives his daughter up and, and lets them take off. But, I mean, brings the daughter and the boys, to his grandchildren, to Moses and leaves them. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a loved one going a long way away. I'm pointing at Janice has, uh, you know, Kelsey's in China, um, and that experience of, of them, you know, watching them go, you know, and saying goodbye or, or, or whatever, someone, one of your children going into the military or college or whatever, and driving away and, and trying to keep it together. Um, I'm going to get emotional thinking about those times, but uh I just wonder what Jethro is. He spent time with, with Zipporah and his grandchildren, and now he's going to send them back to Moses. He's home, he's home with Moses for 40, Moses is with him for 40 years, and then keeps the boys. Now we go, hey, now we go back, back some verses in 18, 2 through 6. And, and that's what we're talking about this account where, what, I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You jumped ahead, but really you jumped backward. So, so that's fine. You know, you don't have to be, you know, y'all don't have to, you know, feel bad if you, if you jump ahead or you, or you let me know, you know, something that you know. I love it. I love it. Jethro, verses 2 through 6. Now, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, and he, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. We know those, Gershom and, and Eliezer, Ili, Eliezer. For he said, the names, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. The name, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons, his wife, to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, and coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, how great of a reunion would that have been? Also, how I think that would make me a little nervous too, sending my daughter and grandsons into a situation that has been dangerous. And that's why, that's why she's kept with her dad, I believe, in the first place. But he points out something. In just a few, few moments, we're going to jump forward in chapter 18. But he's a good counselor. I mean, he's wise. He's a wise man. And he's, he has some suggestions. I'm gonna, we're going to look at a verse that just kind of makes me laugh. I, I talked to Peggy about it today. But he has some suggestions. You know, keep in mind, they're suggestions. He respects Moses' authority. Once he gets there and he sees, and he sees that Moses is in charge, and he's doing, he, he's doing a good job to a point, Jethro thinks. He's, he's not out for himself. He doesn't want power. He doesn't want favor. He doesn't want riches. And he doesn't fear giving counsel. He doesn't fear offending Moses for his counsel. I'm setting this up so we can look at some, some, some scripture here as we, as we notice that Jethro, he observes and then he gives advice. 
and he observes that Moses is making a, a mistake, what's he doing? What's Moses doing? Trying to judge Israel all by himself. How many people? <laughs> yeah, a million people, and he's trying to do it all by I can't imagine. I can't imagine, you know, we have four elders and about 260, you know, 70 people uh, that they're, I can't imagine that. Being, being responsible for that. And so a million, one man, a million people. And Jethro, you know, I just wonder. So he's, he's watching him just thinking, what, what's, what's he thinking? And so he, he's going to communicate, but he says he's making a mistake. Look at 13 and 14 of Exodus 18. The next day Moses set to judge the people. The people stood around Moses from morning till evening. Full-time job. Moses, his father-in-law, saw all that he was doing for the people, and he said, so, he's watching. What do you think would be going on in Moses' mind? Well, he's working and everything, but wouldn't you think that uh, Moses would be happy or excited if Jethro said, you're, I'm proud of you. I am proud of you for what you're doing. He's, and Jethro isn't mean, but he says, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? How fun would that be for Moses just to hear all these complaints? And he's judging these people and they're, they're bringing problems to him. And that's what he's doing. And Jethro notices th that there's a problem. Actually, there are, there are a few problems with Moses' leadership. Has Moses been a great leader? Yes, he has. He's God's instrument, and he's done very well, but he there are some flaws with his leadership. First of all, he's going to wear himself out. He's going to wear himself out. Look at 18. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Although Moses was trying, wasn't he? He was trying, but, but he hadn't had someone... Let's point this out. He can't do, so he, he, he's going to wear himself out. He can't do an adequate job of judging. And so that's not going to be, you know, the, the people need a, someone who is able to judge them the way that they, they should be judged. But Moses, you know, you have children. You start out with one child and what do you do? Just focus the attention on them. You start out, I mean, then you have another child. And I, I know when, when we got ready to have Connor, I was worried now. What am I going to do? Because I, I love this one so much. Am I going to be able to love them? Eat? Well, yes, you are. You have four children. Kevin has six children. And, and the love is, is spread out. I mean, you love them just as much as the other one. But Moses has millions of the people that he cares about. And, he's got to, and, and he doesn't have time for every one of them, obviously. And so it's interfering with his... With his do what what would you say Moses's responsibilities are? He's he's to lead the people through the wilderness. He, he he's to get them to where God promised them to, to be, and, and he does rule that not rule them, but he leads them. Um, but he's supposed to be imparting God's word, and so now notice nineteen and twenty. I love this verse nineteen. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice. I've said before to someone, they, they wanted advice and they were, and 
I gave them advice and they said, please don't be offended if, if I don't take your advice. I said, advice is meant to be given and then decisions are made based on that information. You don't have to take my advice, but I love what Jethro says. Here, I'm going to give you some advice. What's the first say? Obey my, obey, you're going to have to obey this advice and God be with you. And then he goes on, you shall represent the people before God, bring their cases to God. You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Don't, don't solve their problems, teach them the word of God. I think there's a huge lesson there, huge lesson. And we, we want to help people with their needs and their problems and stuff. That's what counseling is for. But the, you've got to, first and foremost, teach them the word of God. And that, sh that will take care of a lot of struggles. But notice what he says as well, 21 and 22. Moreover, in addition to, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, that's important. Place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. The big stuff they'll bring to you. Any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it'll be easy for you and they will bear the burden with you. That is incredibly great advice. Spread it or delegate. And, and, we, and we, know, we know people and maybe you are one of... Delegation is really difficult for some people depending on what side of the brain... I'm, I'm a guy, give me a list of tasks, but don't make me decide what needs to be done. Just give me an order, give me a list of tax, tasks. Um, but I, I know someone very well who, who, need, who can make those decisions, but they're a little bit hesitant to delegate because why? Because it might not be done the way that they would do it. And so here Moses is, he's not delegating, seems to have a hard time with, and Jethro sees the whole problem right away and then comes up with a solution. What a great, great man um, to be in Moses' life. And so what is Moses' reaction to it? Yeah, that sounds good. And I just, I, there are times when people, I think Alan's really good at this, uh, about seeing the big picture, seeing the, the, uh, the avenues that you can go, the, the decisions that are in front of you, seeing the different, the different decisions that you can make and the directions you go, you can go, and then he can give you that advice. A lot of people aren't able to see the big picture, and it seems like Moses doesn't see the big picture because all these people are coming, and he's focused on these little things, and Jethro sees the big picture and not just sees it, he recognizes it, and not just recognizes it, he gives advice, he comes up with, with a great plan. And that's what happens. I mean, that, that's, that's, yes, George. Now, wouldn't Jethro be like uh, a nomad? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, the, when they come out of Egypt, they didn't know how to live on the land. Oh, interesting, yeah. George says Jethro would have been an uh, old hand at, at moving around. And he, yeah, and that's what they did. That's what his, his life was like. That's interesting. An interesting observation. He would have been an old hand at moving around. Israelites, what do they know about moving around? Well, they've been moving around, but before that, they were in one place in Egypt. I like that. I like that. So, um, what else? What else about uh, about Jethro? He some lessons as we start to wrap up. Hospitality. 
Hebrews 13.2, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. I like, I like the New King James. I like the English Standard. Um, King James as well. Uh, why? Well, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Why? For thereby some have entertained angels. What's that word? Unawares. <laughs> unawares. I was unawares that I hurt your feelings. Um, I, I, that word unawares. I love that. But, but that's what Hebrews says. Uh, he, that's what Hebrews 13 says, too, says, entertain people. You never know who it is that you're entertaining. So just entertain everyone. Show hospitality to everyone that you can. And, and again, that's hard. But we, some of y'all here, you're just hospitable. And you just make people feel welcome. And it's appreciated and it, and it, and it is a blessing to have y'all in our lives for an example, for examples of hospitality, um, people who just, you know, do so well at that, and uh, we can learn from them. But we can learn from Jethro as well. And then, I, I don't know if this is a, uh, I don't know how to how how to state this adequately. We send people overseas. And we support people who are overseas and in other countries and even in, in the states who have gone into the mission field. But Rule or Jethro seems fine. He seems fine. I, you know, obviously it's going to be a little difficult, or at least it would be for me, to take your daughter, grandsons, and say, you all stay here. I'm going home. And, and walking away and, uh, and leaving them. But that's what needed to be done. And, so, and we need to send people and allow them to go. It might be our children and it might be us, but it's difficult sometimes. But we need to love the kingdom enough that we just send forth people we love out into the mission. And it might be, it might be domestic. We, we raise these kids and we want them to be gospel spreaders. And so... Uh, and so here we have that. Jethro lets us see. I should have showed you Hebrews 3, but now I'm going to show you Titus 3.14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Oh, Jethro, how much fruit did he, did he yield at that point? When he gave, when he gave Moses that, that advice that he was supposed to obey, how much fruit did he yield? How many people were helped? All of them. I mean, that's productive. That's a productive thing to be able to do, to bless every, a whole nation at once with your advice and good things need to be done when? In urgent need, help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Again, this auditorium has people in, in it. I'm not you know, saying other people, but other people aren't like this, but um, I know that I can learn from, from y'all meeting urgent needs. You drop what you're doing, do what needs to be done. It doesn't matter what you're doing because now things need to be done. People need to be taken care of. And, and so many of y'all, y'all are just great at that. Such a blessing and example for me. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there's no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Rule or Jethro showed that. And, and when I read the, 
scriptures like this and I think about uh, uh, a large counselor and, and a numbered counsel, the abundant of counselors, you think about the eldership. I don't know if you do, but I think about the eldership and how that responsibility uh, of shepherding the flock is spread out. What if we just had two, one elder? That, that wouldn't work. I mean, that's unscriptural, first of all. But the wisdom of God sharing the burden with, with other men um, is, is amazing to, to watch. But Jethro definitely understands that concept. And then finally, um, we need to find people in our lives who can give us godly advice. And then we need to uh, listen to that and do that advice. 